Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today on the show is David Kitt, whose ninth album Idiot Check is out this Friday, March 31st. He told Louise Bruton in the Sunday Times that an idiot check is when you give a hotel room one last sweep so nothing important gets left behind. Maybe it's like having a new start. David Kitt was in Paris for a while at the start of the pandemic in 2020 before moving to Balanskelegs in West Kerry and amid some personal turbulence. He worked on both Idiot Check and 20, an album that came out two years ago in which he reworked 20 tracks from his career to date, from Step Outside in the Morning Light off 2001's The Big Romance to Still Don't Know, the opener to his previous album, Use, which came out in 2018. So, like a lot of artists who you might have heard on the podcast already this year, the pandemic did see David Kitt enjoy a bit of a creative boon. He says many of the songs were started in a pre-COVID world, but when COVID happened it gave the half-finished songs a new hue, as if they were from some former version of reality, and this led to all sorts of creative inspiration that was quite unexpected. The pandemic gave everything the quality of a remote dream that was somehow really healthy for my imagination and made finishing them much easier and more creative than expected. Released via the label Rewarm, Idiot Check is a dark album that ends on a positive note with Wave of Peace. We'll hear that at the end of the interview. I think it's my favourite song of the year so far. I know it's only the end of March, but I'm just putting it out there now. We're listening to Till the End off the album at the moment and as you can hear it sounds like his other project New Jackson and that's not a coincidence as he tells us during the chat. David Kitt also plays with David Gray's band and played some shows both opening up for him and in his band at the start of March so we talked about that a little bit at the start of the chat and David Kitt has his own tour dates coming up in support of Idiot Check. He's heading to the UK in the first week of April, playing Bournemouth, Birmingham, Manchester, Leeds, Newcastle, Edinburgh and Glasgow before doing some Irish gigs, including Whelan's in Dublin on April 15th, Roisin Dove in Galway on the 20th, Collins in Cork on the 21st, and then he's at Waterford, Dundalk, Belfast and Derry. Then in May, he's doing Connolly's Vlep on the 5th, Kilkenny, Bristol, Brighton for the Great Escape Festival. Sheffield, London, and then on May 27th, he's in Sea Church in Ballycotton, County Cork, to finish up the tour. So he'll be a busy man over the next month or two, but I think he's delighted to finally be back doing shows every other night of the week and with a new album under his arm. Idiot Check is out March 31st, and you can get it at davidkit.bandcamp.com. Let's listen to the rest of Till the End, and then we'll get into the chat with David Kitt. I can hear some birds chirping. Are you out in nature? 
Yeah, no, I'm at home. The window's open, actually. It's the first kind of day of open window <laughs> and, uh, and birds chirping, to be honest. Yeah, they've been, they're, they're kind of coming back to life here. Are you just in rehearsals for your own gigs coming up? Yeah, yeah, just deep in it at the moment, just kind of, just, um, yeah, just getting into some sounds and stuff and finessing out the shows. So, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's getting, it's really coming together. You're off touring with David Gray earlier in the month. I think you were supporting him and playing with the band uh, as well. Yeah. How did you get on? Yeah, really good. Really good. It was, um, it was, it was basically, yeah, it was just, I mean, it was, I was kind of put most of the focus on getting ready for the David Gray show. So I was kind of with my own stuff. I was kind of busking. I was doing the supports as well. So I was kind of busking a bit with those, but the David Gray shows were, were really special. Yeah. It's just, it's just such, such a, such a great band to be in. I mean, it's just, a, I think even for Dave himself, you know, he just come from doing the kind of white ladder, you know, I guess the more showbiz side of what he does. So, just to focus on these songs, which are all a lot more delicate and sparse. And it's really just all about the singing and just little bits of texture. And I don't know, I think it's a really great record that he made. And and there's something there that I think it feels like there's still a lot more to do with that band. You know, everybody's just got their eyes closed and singing the songs, you know, so it's just got this lovely, it feels like a gang, which is kind of unusual, I think, maybe later in life for people in music, including Dave and, you know, and Caroline Dale, who's in that band, who's, you know, she's played with everyone from Kate Bush to Pink Floyd and all sorts of people had a massive long, you know, amazing long career. And she's just like said it was, the, you know, most special tour she's ever done. So, yeah, when you hear seasoned campaigners talking about it like that, you kind of you, you really know you're part of something special, I suppose. Are you involved in the creative process with actually making the music and making the albums with them? Or are you kind of more just like a session musician for the live shows? No, that that album was very much, uh, you know, yeah, we were all very involved, really. I mean, I was very, I'm on a lot of tracks, I guess. And just the longer it goes on, the more freedom I probably have, you know, uh, with sonics and just bits of color. And yeah, it, it's... um. I wouldn't see it. I did a tour uh, like on his Mutineers record where I suppose I was probably in a more session musician kind of role. Um, but with the Skellig stuff, it's very much a band. You know, it feels like a band. It does feel like a, a very creative kind of space to be in. You know, Great. And so, I mean, you talked about the support slots being almost like busking. Um, where it was that the first time that you had played some of these new songs live or was it kind of uh, did, did you think about the support slots that much? Yeah, well, it was it was just because the headline set is so quiet and unrestrained that I had to be very respectful in my choice of songs. So, you know, I kind of. I was slowly introducing stuff from like a lot of the new record is quite electronic and it kind of relies on the electronics to work. So there were probably only really three songs that I could do from the new record. And, you know, they seemed to fit actually quite well, but it was, uh, I was kind of limited to doing stuff with just me and a guitar, you know, I was kind of trying a couple of older songs and, you know, uh, kind of, yeah, a lot of it was last minute, but by the time I got to the last show, I was doing more of the new record and it felt, you know, I was doing three songs actually from the new record that, that really worked like till the end, all folly and wave a piece kind of in a more acoustic kind of way. So it, 
I kind of wished I was where I was at the end with with my own set, but there just wasn't time because there was just so much work to do for the David Gray set because we were, you know, we had 25 songs to learn and had about, a, you know, two, three weeks to learn them and then stand up in front of people and play them. So it was like, it was, uh, there was a lot of, lot of stuff to do there. So it was, but it was still, it still worked. You know, it was, it's kind of nice when you do a tour when your own set kind of just keeps evolving from night to night and you almost get it right by the last night or something. It's yeah. like, yeah. It's not the first time that's happened. I, I guess that you've kind of been happy looking back at your previous work as well. I mean, we haven't talked about 20, the album that you put out a couple of years ago, the album of reworkings of 20 of your tracks from the past. I'm wondering, did looking back on, you know, your previous work, you know, 20 years of work, did that inform the new album? Not really. I mean, I think what was maybe helpful with doing the 20 thing was just... I was kind of match fit or something. Do you know what I mean? Like I was kind of in, I was working like that was a lot of work. It was, it was, you know, it was 20 songs. I initially thought it'd be really simple, but you know, I was going to make something that was just me and a guitar and I just bang it out and everything. And next thing a year later, I'm still working on it, you know, but uh, I think I learned a lot from an engineering point of view and, you know, I was just active in the studio and I guess from a craft point of view, I felt like I was, I was on top of the game, you know, so I kind of brought that to the, the idiot check kind of home straight of idiot check. Cause I was working on idiot check at the same time, you know, so it wasn't, I was kind of jumping back and forth between a few different projects, some of which I'm still working on, but, um, it was, I guess, more, you know, more from a technical perspective than an actual creative perspective or something. I mean, I kind of always knew what Idiot, Idiot Check is more, you know, 20 was kind of like, there was a point with 20 where I was like, I, I could actually keep going with this for another two <laughs> years and still not be happy. But I, I had to let go because I was just like, this is a record for my fans. It's a COVID related thing and I don't want to get too deep into it. And I don't want to keep looking back for too long because I had so many new ideas and new things to be focusing on. So I kind of had to just ditch it. And, you know, I kind of rushed the last five songs of that, I think, (laughs) but it's still, you know, I think my favorite part of 20 is is the first 10 songs. I think that's just something that I've never really done before. It's that kind of stripped back kind of acoustic thing and i mean i really like the other half as well but i think um you needed another two years on it you'd, you'd like those two years back i don't really care to be honest. <laughs> I actually i actually i'm i'm i no, i think i did a really good job for what i for the time i had and i like it and i think it's nice i'm actually considering taking it down digitally and actually just making it a vinyl only thing because for some reason i might just do a repress and just have it as this thing that only exists physically i think there's something about that that kind of appeals to me
lose my head And the thought of the summer Clears my head, my One thing that really appeals to me is just this idea of a songwriter who's been going for two decades or creating music over a number of years, constantly reworking their older stuff. I mean, Conor O'Brien Villagers is one who jumps to mind that his stuff can change at a moment's notice. It can be a full band thing. It can be like super stripped back. It can be orchestral. How did you feel listening back to those older songs and deciding that you wanted to do something else with them? And like, were you thinking, oh, there's some great stuff in here? Or were you cringing at some of the early stuff or were you just like this this is what it was back in the day yeah i think it's some of them you kind of get surprised some of them that i thought that maybe there are songs that i probably cringed about like 10 years ago that now i don't cringe at which is really nice it's a really nice feeling it's kind of some kind of weird acceptance of of and maybe just like kind of finding a charm in certain things from your past that you previously were kind of embarrassed about or something that's something that really surprised me you know but there's very few there's probably like three songs in my whole back catalog maybe only really one to be honest that i really don't like oh one song (laughs) maybe one or two maybe two yeah most of them i like you know most of them i really like you know so it's like yeah, most of them I, I, I really I have a I'm kind of proud of, I suppose, you know. That's great. So That's great. You you don't yeah. want to say the one or two tracks that maybe No, do you know what I don't? <laughs> I don't even want to honor them by saying oh, wow. which ones they are. No, I'm just thinking there, <laughs> what what era would they be in? <laughs> I'll go searching. They've been yeah, they're they they were from around two thousand and six. Okay, okay, that's enough. Um, Idiot Check is your ninth studio album. How does it feel making nine albums? Is it something that you actually think about, like sit back and think, "Fucking hell, what a you know, what a great career to have had." Yeah, well, I mean, I I kind of say it to a lot of people. I've said it in the past in interviews that I I made about five albums before I released one. You know, so making albums is is really something that I that I've been doing since I was kind of 15, you know? So it's like, you know, Small Moments was probably my sixth album, but that was my first album that I shared with the public, I suppose. It's just something that I do. I mean, it's like, yeah, it is. It's kind of amazing. When I think the thing that maybe I, I get a, I, I get a, that kind of, I don't know, that, that when I get surprised by the amount of work, it's when I'm putting songs into Imro, like for my royal, you know, for when you're registering songs and I see just how many songs I have on Imro, you know. I guess my first love as a band was the Beatles, I suppose, you know. And, you know, when you consider how many albums the Beatles made in the time that they were together and how many songs that Lennon and McCartney wrote in the time that they had to write songs together, you know, I'm still kind of underachieving (laughs) in some ways so like i think it's kind of like it seems to be you know i think nowadays people have longer gaps between records and it's not as normal to be kind of prolific or whatever but i think a lot of the people i grew up listening to whether it's Joni Mitchell or Neil Young or people like that, you know they were kind of artists who just constantly made work and put stuff out every year or two you know so it's like i wouldn't i don't consider it that unusual i suppose you know it's like 
but it's just maybe a, it just maybe lets you know how old you <laughs> that you've been right you've been on planet earth for a while rather than being super prolific or something um just before we kind of talk through some of the tracks on the new album i was reading louise bruton's great feature with you in the sunday times at the weekend and she says how you were stranded in paris at the start of the pandemic i know that i think that you've moved in kerry i don't know are you in kerry right now but were you in paris for long and what was that like was it really nice just to be somewhere like that at the start of the pandemic or was it awful i think it was probably somewhere in between some it was a bit like somewhere in between i mean it was it was it was a very strange time for me personally um and it was also a strange time like um for everybody because it was just such a kind of like unprecedented um shocks to everyone i mean there, you know like there was just this kind of weird sense of fear and trepidation and kind of panic and sense of the world ending or something that like you know it's not the ideal time to be away from your friends <laughs> yeah. and family in some ways um but you know it could have been a lot worse there was like you know like there was a lot of room at CCI. It was a big courtyard. You know, it was like in the fifth hour in Dizamon with access to all sorts of amazing food markets that were all staying open. And, you know, uh, once things kind of settled down after a few weeks of initial panic, it was spring in Paris, you know, at a time when Paris was like pretty much about as quiet as, as it's, ever going to be like you know like it was and it was mainly just french people and you know parisians are notoriously unfriendly and grumpy but for whatever reason they were they were i think just with the absence of tourists and everything they were just it was a kind of much friendlier place to be so that side of it was kind of novel you know what i mean it's just uh i guess it was just this sense of you know, when's life going to return to normal? And, you know, there were no pubs or clubs open. And, like, a big part of the reason why I was there was to try and make connections with, like, for New Jackson stuff. And I had all sorts of stuff lined up that was cancelled. Um, so, you know, I didn't have a huge amount of human contact, which after a while can make you go a little bit funny too. So it's uh, it was a mixed bag, you know. just think everyone's experience of COVID was a pretty mixed bag, you know. Yeah. And it's great to hear that, like, it was a creative boon for a lot of people as well. It sounds like, you know, it was good for you creatively as well, going back to the old stuff and coming out now with this new album. Yeah. I mean, once I got into it, I was like, geez, I could do another <laughs> another year ago just to get, get all these albums finished. But yeah, I mean, I did I did kind of build up ahead of steam, I guess, once once I got into a flow of work. I'm still kind of in the middle of that, I feel. So you moved from Paris to Kerry. Are you still living there now? It sounds like it's, I don't know, it's attracting a lot more kind of creative people. Maybe it's just people moving out of the cities and trying to get away from the super high rents. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people seem to be doing similar. A lot of people I know have been doing similar things. Yeah, like, I mean, I guess it's just if you can find a way to make it work. Um, you know, it's kind of more of a challenge when you're kind of back gigging and traveling and stuff like that yeah i'm still here and i'm very much committed to it i suppose as long as i can make it work 
let's talk through the tracks of Idiot Check. Now, we won't go through all of them, but we'll go through a good few of them. Just generally, it seems like it's quite a personal album, maybe quite autobiographical as well. Is is it more so than your previous work, autobiographical, or have you always written like this? I guess that you can kind of speak to that just looking back on all of your work like you've done. Yeah, well, I don't think it is, actually. It's probably less autobiographical. Really? I mean, yeah. I mean, there's, there's like, I feel like a lot of the songs on this record were, were kind of just, like, voices of the songs themselves. They weren't really my voice, to be totally honest. And that's, um, you know, I'm not saying that to be evasive in any way. It's, it's kind of like... Um, you know, even till the end, like that is not, that's not about me at all. It's just, um, it's something else's voice. It's a, it's about like two or three different things. It's, it's, it's like it, what it, what it evokes for me is a kind of state of mind or something. And it's not a, it's not in any way autobiographical, you know, and a lot of it is written like that. Some of the seeds of these songs were kind of around for maybe two or three, four years before COVID happened and then some of them I wrote as the album started taking shape and it kind of there was a sense of what the album was about I mean like a lot of the time like I've kind of said in the past it's kind of like you know I don't really know what things are about like because I've been making records for so long I'm pretty good at making records do you know what I mean so I do it in a way that I just work and I think in an unconscious way, there's just this sense that you're working towards a body of work that somehow just starts to come out of the fog of working, you know, and it starts to become clear what you're working on. Idiot Check was really like that. It was just like there were all these themes kind of connecting with some of this, with some of the songs. And, I, and as that started to happen, you kind of just chisel away at some of the songs and stuff like it's in some of us um all folly leave me making you know there's all these songs that are really connected but like the last two or three lines of those songs are kind of written in tandem so you're kind of like once you start to become aware of a body of work that all kind of makes sense together you can kind of just put in the last few details that make that really work yeah it's a very mixed bag in terms of autobiography like something like wishing well or not so soon. Every little drop of falling rain. Like the first three tracks in the album aren't autobiographical at all. Ah, geez, I'll have to. I'll have to delete that from my notes. Then I'll have to yeah. try again. I'll have to try again. <laughs> um, it opens with every little drop. Is that Katie Kim on backing vocals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She. I thought it was. I thought it was something about. I really wanted her to be like her voice to be almost as loud as mine for the whole song. For some reason, I just thought it'd be an interesting way to start the record. Yeah, I mean, she came up with that kind of amazing counter melody at the end as well. I mean, everything she did on the record was absolutely amazing, to be honest. Yeah, she's she's brilliant. Like, her album last year was just so good as well. It's great to just see her still making music, still making brilliant music and featuring on your stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. She's just so creative and she's also just technically so amazing and superhuman in her ability to kind of double track her voice and everything is just so perfectly in time. And, you know, but like just her... Her creativity is, yeah, is kind of stunning, really. I mean, it's um, I've been a fan, and we've been pals for you know for a long time now. It's just that, yeah, it's really always super exciting working with her.
Wishing Well was the first single that you released from the album, the first showcase of the album. The press release says that it was produced by you using your, quote, Breaking Bad mobile studio setup. Yeah. Tell me more about this setup. How Breaking Bad is it, dare I ask? Well, really what I was talking about was just the fact that I was moving from one place to to another and I was kind of setting up and I could actually be working within 24 hours of getting to the next place. So I was kind of going between... You know, I was in Paris, I was back in my parents' house for a while. I was down in Kerry in a kind of a artist residency. I was in an Airbnb, I was in a friend's house. I was back and, but, until I finally, finally found where I'm living now. Um, so it was really just a reference to how I had to keep working somehow in all these circumstances. I had to kind of try and make my deadlines and keep the show on the road. Yeah, it just felt a little bit frazzled and kind of like frantic. It felt like a little bit like the way the crackdown was kind of moving around from one place to another and they just had to kind of keep getting the product made, I suppose. Is that just a case of you don't know when the iron will strike, when you need to get down a song before it kind of goes away? Was that is that the idea just behind this setup that you have? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that's just what I've been doing for my whole life. I've I've always made records at home, you know what I mean? So if I have a field of expertise, it's probably that, you know, um, that I can kind of get results in a domestic situation, I suppose. And it's been part necessity and part just what suits me, I suppose. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, ultimately, I'd love to be going to Black Box Studios in France or uh, up to that guy Tommy's place up in Donegal or whatever, you know, there's like loads of, I love recording studios. Like I love them. I mean, I, I'm, I, I love being in that environment. I love kind of the idea of camping out in a place and kind of switching off and no phones, no windows kind of vibe. I love it and I miss it. And I love, you know, back when I was on Warners, you could kind of afford to bring a lot of people to France and you can feed and water them and pay them all to be there for two weeks and you can afford to pay an engineer and you can record to tape and you can do all the amazing things that come up in the studio i love all that but i can't really afford to do it these days so it's like you just have to keep going and and similarly i love making music on my own you know so it's part necessity but it's also something that i really like doing you know all Folly sees you singing in Irish. I, I'm guessing for the first time, I, I, I don't know if you've done it before in your previous work. Is that a result of moving to Kerry? Are you learning the language? Yeah, it was possibly a result of moving to Kerry. 
it just kind of happened really it was it was related thematically to the song i was hanging out with sean garvey a lot folk singer from car savini passed away last year sean tends to kind of speak bilingually you know and he's very funny in irish and he he you know i feel like the way even i sing that song is is massively influenced by sean it was originally part of a piece that i was working on with kevin barry called cornelina um, which was about a fictional town in the west of ireland and it was about generational change and fading away of traditions and trying to resuscitate old ways or something like that it was kind of like a when you hear, when you hang out with someone who has beautiful Irish, and I, I did, you know, I spent a lot of time in the Gwelt like that as a kid. Um, and I really, I would love to have a better grasp of the language. But I, I think I basically pushed myself to my outer limits with that one. And I think it turned out pretty good. So it's something that I'd like to do more, I guess. Leave Me Making is the start of Side B. You mentioned earlier how this is kind of a more electronic-y type album. This is one of the tracks which I do I do think kind of maybe a bit new Jackson. Do you find it easy to separate the two? Leave Me Making was actually originally a new Jackson track. Sometimes when you're doing the vocoder stuff, it's like, sometimes it's kind of gobbledygook and sometimes it's more playful. But there were songs within the New Jackson thing, like Leave Me Making, Hustle Free, Sat Around Here Waiting, that had this kind of weird um, connection thematically to what is going on in, on Idiot Check. And actually, Hustle Free is going to be part of the live show. And I'm working on Sat Around Here Waiting, like because they were songs that, you know, when you're singing into a vocoder, it's kind of more about how the words sound and how they trigger the vocoder and then every once in a while the phrase will come out and pop out of the fog of what you're doing but with a lot of them you don't you're not really forced to finish it because you can still kind of it fully embrace abstraction and it doesn't really have to make sense but within them there's these phrases or these lines that are super evocative and i kind of feel like i actually know what the song's about if i get a chance to finish it and that's basically what i did with leave me making and what i'm doing with it another couple of them there was also one unused like made it mine which was a new jackson song that was i kind of did totally differently um on that record and again they they all seem to come from this very similar thematic place so i don't even know i guess that's just what's you know that's just what's coming through but to me the new jackson universe is a more kind of playful place i suppose but at times it's actually been super dark lyrically so i don't really know what's going on there i feel like it's just something that it is that's where my creativity is at and i just have to kind of go with it you know maybe wexford strawberries is the track i had particularly in mind saying that the album is autobiographical you say in the press release that it's about the breakup of a relationship do you kind of use songwriting to talk yourself through something like that kind of like a diary i suppose or is was it just something that you wanted to maybe had to have a go at writing about to be totally honest wexford strawberries was another one that was just like that was around for ages that was like just um soft breeze me and my baby and the tall trees it's all these we were stopping off for strawberries wexford strawberries of that like i just had that I was just like, that wasn't really necessarily about anything or anyone. I guess I was going through that situation uh, uh, when I was finishing the song. 
I think a lot of the album was about life before COVID or like these kind of dreams. There's some kind of, um, it's like a, what's it like metamorphosis or something like, you know, there's like a, if there's a metamorphosis that goes on on the album, it's maybe a shedding of certain old ways or an old order or a, a previous life or something like that. And whether that's me or something else or whether I'm talking more at a societal level, it seemed to really fit with with those themes, I suppose. Of all the songs, there's definitely... It would be one that has more autobiographical element. I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> but it's just, again, it really works on the abstract level of the whole album for me. And finally wave of peace i think we've saved the best track till last i don't know about you how you feel about this song but i i really love it it's the last single that you've released um before the release of the album it sounds like you've had it for a few years as well going back three or four or five years does it feel particularly special to you in any way and why did you decide to close with this track yeah well I'm, i mean i was saying when because when the track came out last week it was actually this was a track that i was was originally for me didn't fit on the record and i i because i thought the record just was this kind of darker record thematically and the label who put out the album i was actually initially approached for a track for a compilation for them and i get i sent them wave a piece and they were just mad about it and like just the buzz of working with them i was kind of like geez maybe i should ask these guys to do my album they were like totally into the idea really liked a lot of the tracks on idiot check as it was then but they were insisting that wave piece was on the album and i i really couldn't make it work for me on the album but um i think it really works as the last track i think it's just like it kind of has this kind of um quality of a kind of a coda or an epilogue or something to the darkness of the album that kind of like it's like a break in the clouds kind of moment yeah i'm really really happy it's there now i mean i i it took me a long time to kind of for it to work for me but yeah i mean i i just think it turned out really nice i think it has a kind of it almost reminds me of the sound of square one which is the third album i put out but it's a lot more traditional sounding than the rest of the record maybe i think because of dylan lynch's drums and just the production of it is kind of open and airy and yeah i mean it turned out really nice i i mean i can't imagine the record any other way now but it was initially i didn't want it to be on the album so yeah it's been really nice to see the reaction to that one so like talking about this album as kind of you know a, a dark kind of album and finishing in a light positive kind of place is that the same personally for you after covid and the breakdown of the relationship and everything you've been through does it feel like it feels like you're in a good place now as the album is about to be released yeah it is i think it's it just feels like the first time since before covid that i feel like kind of like more or less like a full-time musician again you know i mean first and foremost so it's like you know, there are there are so many moments doing this that you kind of go, shit, can I get another year out of this? You know, or am I going to have to get a real job? You know, I've got a good few gigs in the calendar and I feel really good about uh, playing and singing and I really like this record and it's kind of something that I'm excited about getting out and gigging. So, yeah, it's really nice to be coming into spring with that kind of feeling, I suppose. Great. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully that'll stick with you now over the course of the rest of the year touring it and playing hopefully some of the festivals and everything too. Um, 
I think it's a great album. Congrats on it. And yeah, hope it does really well for you. Uh, thanks for many now. Cheers. Those days you couldn't capture 